0: Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. I am making a short trip to New Jersey to take care of some things, including hanging out with my family on Election Day, which is what today is. I'm not going to talk a lot about it, because five years from now, when people are listening to this podcast, it's not going to be relevant. (laughs) So I'm just grateful that soon the election will be behind us, as I think everybody in the known universe also feels. (laughs) So praying for a day of peace. Let's let's say a blessing right now. I'm rubbing my hands together, placing them on my heart, wholeheartedly partnering up. Let's join together. Take a breath of love and gratitude and be so grateful and so thankful to bless ourselves and bless this world. We're partnering up with that higher Holy Spirit self in order to remember the true function of the miracle worker. We are preparing ourselves moment by moment to walk the talk, to live the love, and to fulfill our function as a miracle worker So grateful and thankful to Work for God Incorporated. This is our holy mission. We have everything we need to fulfill it. We are grateful. We are thankful to open ourselves to unlimited, unprecedented love, light, joy. The frequency of pure joy is what we are choosing to embody and to know. We are grateful and thankful to surrender any and all misperceptions, whether we know what they are or not. Or not. We offer them to the Holy Spirit. We lay them on the holy altar of God's perfect love and will for us. We are in alignment and we are grateful to know it is so. We share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them, united in love, in light. In gratitude we let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. So when I was asking Spirit what would be the topic for today's episode, uh, I got drawn to uh, Chapter 2, Section 5, which is entitled titled The Function of the Miracle Worker. And uh, it starts off this way. Before miracle workers are ready to undertake their function in this world, it is essential that they fully understand the fear of release. Aha. So this is why uh, I got directed to call this episode Prep for Being a Miracle Worker. So our, our job here is, since it's essential, it's required, In order for us to fulfill our function as a miracle worker in this world, we must fully understand the fear of release. Let's let's fully understand it together. So Jesus tells us, otherwise, if we don't understand it, we might unwittingly foster the belief that release is imprisonment, a belief that is already very prevalent, and You've already heard me speak about this in the sense that I've talked about, and recently too, pretty sure, though sometimes it all blends together. Oh my goodness. Nine years of doing this podcast. Yes, September 2011 is when I began. And uh, I believe the first episode was with Gary Renard, second episode with Ken Wapnick, something like that. I don't go back and listen to those episodes. But if you're looking for them and you can't find them, you're on iTunes, you need the second podcast. There are two. One is called A Course in Miracles and one is called A Course in Miracles Archive. So the first, ep- the first 100 first hundred 200 episodes are in the Archive podcast. If you're on Stitcher or some kind of uh, Google Play device you, you won't have that issue. So before miracle workers are ready to undertake their function in the world it is essential that they fully understand the fear of release. Otherwise they may unwittingly foster the belief that release is imprisonment. A belief that is already very prevalent. So I've I've said before that sometimes when I'm counseling someone as a spiritual counselor that I'll get the intuition to suggest that they work with an affirmation which is Thy will be done. Thy will be done. And in truth, we must move into that place of feeling not just comfortable with saying, Thy will be done, God's will be done. But we actually are, it's required that we move into a space of being grateful that our will is the will of God. There is no separate will. So we're actually able to see the unity that we are not separate from God, we are one with God. So there is only the divine will, the one will, God's will. And this is what Jesus tells us in A Course of Miracles, that there isn't a separate will. Uh, there's the illusion of free will, but only in the illusion does that illusion exist in truth Everything is God's will. There is no separate will. So when we can say comfortably, Thy will be done, we're far closer to recognizing the unity that we have with our Creator and that we are not separate. So if we perceive Thy will be done as a threat or as Jesus says here, imprisonment, the very thought of following God's will feels like it's a prison sentence or it feels like a threat, then we can say, ah, that's where I can work on my sense of separation, just right there. And so an exercise I could give you is to just sit with thy will be done, saying it gently, Not threateningly, don't need to make yourself feel comfortable with it, but just being willing to sit with it, thy will be done. How does that feel? If I affirm, if I could move into a place where I would desire that. And I do remember my own moving into the place where I literally did get down on my knees and say Spirit do not let me in any way have an attraction to a separate will take from me any desire to act in opposition to God's perfect will and love for me in fact uh, one of the things I did many years ago is um, I made this app called A Course in Miracles. Del- I think it's A Course of Miracles Deluxe with all the features, and it's free. You can get it wherever you get your apps for your smartphones and I think for your iPads and stuff like that. It's been so long since I worked on it, and I just use it on my phone. But I set up a series of reminders, which anybody can do. And you can make the words in your reminders be whatever you would like. And um, so for me, every, I think it's every 33 minutes, I get a reminder that says, that I made, complete with emojis, that says, I'm aligned with Christ In the violet flame of God's perfect will and love for me. I'm a violet flame girl, for those who know what the violet flame is. And so I am aligned with Christ in the violet flame of God's perfect will and love for me. That's one of my go-to affirmations, to be aligned with God's perfect will and love for me. And I've come to see God's perfect will and love for me as my refuge. I take refuge in God's love for me. So God's will for me is only going to nurture, nourish, support, assist me in my goals. Because I don't have goals opposed to God. I mean, sometimes I realize, oh, um, you're trying to make that happen. Let it go. Okay, let it go. When I start to feel a sense of struggle, relax, breathe, let it go, place it on the altar. And when I say place it on the altar, I mean I, I, I have an altar in my home and I'm thinking of placing it there, saying, okay God, your will be done, thy will be done, because thy will is my will, because I am one with you. So this is part of our preparation here so we can fulfill our function as a miracle worker, which, let me just say, is delightful. (laughs) It's such a relief. It's such a release from fear to align with God's will and not see God's will as being imprisonment or threatening or in opposed opposition to our will in any way. So we can directly tackle this fear of God's will. I and I'm for that. I'm I don't like subterfuge and I don't like to take the circuitous route. I'm the rip off the band-aid kind of person. I really am. I I don't wanna get hurt or wounded and I don't like slow drip Torture, nope, let's just, okay, what do we need to do? Let's just do it. Let's be direct. That's my personality. So, um, and gently, also. I like to be gentle. I like to be sweet. I like to be kind. I like to be patient. I like to, like, uh, wake people up by petting them gently, gently, whispering, Hello, my love. It's time to get up, (laughs) you know, petting them. Okay, come on, come on. Very sweetly, very gently. So that's, but I also like to be direct, direct. So you can do both. I've definitely learned that. So working with that affirmation, thy will be done, can be very helpful, uh, and see how you feel about it. So many times when I uh, get the nudge to suggest it to a client, that's what my intuition is saying, uh, invariably that client will, will cringe. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, no, I, I don't feel comfortable saying that. And then we can talk about why it feels uncomfortable. So you can look at if it feels uncomfortable for you. And if it does feel uncomfortable for you, don't deny that. Right? We don't want to do a spiritual bypass about how we feel. We want to actually feel our feelings. It's part of the way out of hell. I call it recognizing the divine alarm clock that we have resistance to the truth. And so we can feel it. In our physical body, we can feel it in our emotional body. We can sense it in our mental body by the kind of repetitive compulsive thoughts we have. So if we have this sense, this feeling that it is not appealing to be in alignment with God's will, that somehow we would have to give up things that we want and that we need If that's how you feel, go directly, do not pass go, do not stop, go directly to the Developments of Trust section. It's two pages in chapter four of the Teacher's Manual, chapter four entitled The Characteristics of God's Teachers, Trust is the number one characteristic, and in that little section, There's two pages called The Development of Trust. And in The Development of Trust, it talks about in there that we we have to learn to trust spirit. And if we cling to things that do not serve us, so false idols in any way, shape, or form. False idols can be a concept false idols can be your pet false idols can be your house can be your job could be your lover could be your child could be any number of things and in the development of trust section Jesus tells us that if we cling to these things then spirit would begin to take them away from us to loosen our grip on them so that we can see we've made them false idols Because essentially, anything that we make more important than waking up, more important than being loving, more important than our connection with spirit, it is going to get rattled. And we're going to be first invited, then asked, then really forced to look at our relationship to it. Because we have a tendency to make things far more important than our waking up. What we can begin to recognize, and I feel this is so important to share, is we don't have to have things ripped away from us. We don't have to have our house burned down. We don't have to have our lover leave us we don 't have to have our dog hit by a car we don 't have to have any of these things that can contribute to our waking up and fulfilling our function as a miracle worker. We can realize I have an unhealthy relationship to this. I have an unhealthy relationship to uh, working out and exercising my body i 've idolized my body, I have an unhealthy relationship with my car or my yard. Or my grandchildren or anything like that and just say, okay, Spirit, I would like to put all my attachments to how I think things should be and how I think they shouldn't be. My attachments, for instance, since today's Election Day 2020, uh, that I have all my attachments to who wins the election to how that goes. I'm putting all of it on the altar. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. The highest and best for anyone is the highest and best for everyone. And we can recognize that this is so. How wonderful. How wonderful that we can awaken to this truth. And our job is to look for the loving choices. What are the most loving choices? And when we see that we have an unhealthy attachment, we can see that, you know, I, I'm upset if it doesn't go my way. I'm upset if it doesn't turn out the way I think it should turn out. I'm upset. Then we have an unhealthy attachment. And we can actually begin to move into the development of trust, which is so critical to our awakening. It's absolutely necessary. It's required. We can move into that by saying, Okay, I feel resistance. I feel reluctance. I feel the attachments. I feel the fear. And still, Holy Spirit, higher self, I am that I am mighty presence of love, please show me gently, sweetly, how to release my attachments and choose the highest and best for all. Again, the highest and best for one person has to be the highest and best for all because we're united. There's just no way to extract one person and give them the highest and best for them and it wouldn't be the highest and best for all there's no way that can ever ever happen so even when it looks like somebody ripped us off and they got away with something they took my job they took my husband they took my house they took my whatever and it seems like it's so much better for them than it is for me That cannot be. It cannot be. There has to be the highest and best for anyone is the highest and best for everyone. And so for me, when I start to feel that kind of feeling of resentment, I have learned to forgive myself. To forgive myself. There's something for me to forgive myself for. If I resent another person, there's something for me to forgive myself for. Yes, yes, yes. By the way, I'm going to mention briefly here, I'm doing a free video series. Uh, uh, and the first video, it's about walking the talk and living the love. And the first video is about a common mistake that spiritual students uh Almost always make they very frequently make. Uh, I don't say always because always is only uh, applies to the eternal. But it's so common, and uh, so I've made it. I'm making a six video series, and you can get it uh, for free. You can go to my social media, and you can go to my website. And the way to access it is through the Masterful Living waitlist i'm doing a waitlist if you're interested in learning about masterful living for next year 2021 and uh, the uh, and getting i've got some extra special stuff i'm doing this year to uh, entice people to sign up early so if you're interested in learning about any of that being a participant in masterful living now's the time to get on that early bird waitlist Um, So again, you can go to the events page at JenniferHadley.com to sign up for it, uh, because the early bird is going to be announced in November. All right, and we're in November, so soon, it's coming up, Uh, November 15th, in fact, so some of the things that we all do, one of the things that we all do are we resist saying, Thy will be done. We resist saying, I'm going to surrender this. I can see I have an unhealthy attachment. Instead, we mostly move into managing and coping with the attachment. And then... This is what becomes our challenge. This is what becomes the difficulty for us is that we don't know what's highest and best for us and we're attached to actually something that prevents us from experiencing the highest and best because it prevents us from fulfilling our function as the miracle worker. And so the, the release for us is to be willing to align with divine will. And it's going to bring up, for most people, it's going to bring up a bunch of stuff. So if it does bring up a bunch of stuff, if the idea of saying thy will be done threatens you in any way, shape, or form, be willing to work with the Holy Spirit to heal that resistance, to heal that reluctance. I prayed for years to let that resistance and reluctance go and to be aligned with divine will and i still find places where i'm trying to work my will and i i i notice it when i feel frustrated or irritated or resentful or anything like that if anything and then i know if anything comes up i'm i've been given an opportunity for healing so we don't want to do what he's saying here unwittingly foster the belief that release is imprisonment. So he's telling us that belief is already very prevalent. The idea that we would align with divine will means that to many people it means that suddenly we're going to go into a nunnery or a monastery or we're going to give up um, all of our possessions take a vow of poverty and chastity and Some people may look around their life and say, oh my God, it already seems like I've taken a vow of poverty and chastity. Heck, uh, wait a minute, when did I do that? And I can tell you that myself, back in the, I don't know, early to mid-90s, I was looking around my life thinking, Did I take a vow of poverty and chastity somewhere in this lifetime? I don't think so, but it seems like it. So one of the things that I actually did was I really worked to release past lifetime vows of poverty and chastity. Yeah, it's one of the things we look at in Masterful Living. Uh, So because those vows, if we took them 10 lifetimes ago, and we meant it, and we really meant it. We may have been acting out and making choices, decisions, based on those vows of negativity and fear, self-doubt, shame, and they're still operating in our field. So it is something to look at. This is what contributes, I believe, to our fear of aligning with divine will. And, oh my gosh, it's time for us to go to a break here. And as we do, I'd just like to remind you that the Spiritual Counseling Training Intensive is coming up very quickly If you have any interest in coming, please let us know immediately. You can book an exploratory call with one of the spiritual counselors. They're free, and you can get all your questions answered. Spiritual Counseling Training starts November 15th. It's online and in person in New Hampshire. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and you're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're walking the talk, we're living the love, and I will be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. We are talking about preparing to fulfill our function as miracle workers. And we're looking at chapter 2, section 5, which is entitled, The Function of the Miracle Worker. We're in paragraph 1. And so Jesus has told us that we are uh, most likely afraid of releasing uh, our will to divine will. And uh, so we are afraid to, that it means we're going to have to take a vow of poverty and chastity. We're going to have to give up everything we like. And as I've said many, many, many times, that we don't have to give up the things we'd really like, but we do have to give up our attachment to the things that we have made false idols Like if our connection with anything in this world becomes more important to us than our connection with spirit, we're probably going to have to give it up in order to see that it's hurting us, that we've made it a false idol, that our attachment to it is actually making us sick and unhealthy and miserable. And it's a stretch to see it while we're attached to it. So this has been so, one of the most helpful teachings of all to me. Is this teaching that we don't have to give up our, uh, the things that we love. But we do have to give up our attachment. We don't have to give up the people we love, the things that we love. But we do have to give up our emotional and mental attachment to it. And so most of us have experiences where we realize we're addicted to something. Could be coffee, could be alcohol, could be food, could be working out, could be working, could be any number of things. And so we have to give up those attachments in order to be happy and healthy. And it gives us an inkling about, well, am I attached to making sure my house is clean? Do I feel guilty and bad and wrong if my house is not clean, if the laundry is not done, if my car is not kept up, if my yard doesn't look good? Do I feel guilty? Do I feel wrong and bad and ashamed if these things are not as I think they should be? In fact, I've been thinking about doing some classes about that, that kind of guilt-triggering mechanism that's so prevalent in our lives. So giving up the attachments is liberation. And if we don't give up the attachments, we're gonna go through that process that's outlined in the development of trust section, which uh is usually painful. It doesn't have to be, Jesus tells us it doesn't have to be, but it usually is experienced as painful. It's like when we recognize we're in a special relationship that's dysfunctional and not healthy, not happy. We have an attachment to how we think the relationship should be. We have an attachment to that person craving, needing, wanting. When that is happening, then... We can ask the Holy Spirit to make the relationship holy, but the form of the relationship may shift. We may go from being friends to lovers. We may go from being uh, very connected to less connected, because that's the healthier position in our relationship, that if we... Move to have the special relationship made holy by the Holy Spirit. And I've done a lot of episodes on that. Because, oh, I've just done, most of my episodes are about relationship in one shape or form. Because it's the number one thing that we have to work on our awakening. So number one tool we have is how we feel and think about each other in our relationship. So... Uh, that oftentimes when people do turn a relationship over to the Holy Spirit even a little bit to make it holy, uh, there's a lot of freak out and meltdown. And as Jesus himself tells us in chapter 17, I believe it's section 5, the healed relationship, he tells us most people find giving up their attachments to how the relationship should be and how it shouldn't be, those attachments to our perceptions about the construct of the relationship are so attached mentally, we're so mentally and emotionally attached to them that we will actually abandon the relationship rather than see it through to holiness. That most people will abandon the relationship rather than see it through to holiness. But I can tell you, as someone who helps people not do that, because that's one of the main things that people experience in my year-long Masterful Living course, is the uh, transformation to holy relationship with friends, with lovers, with spouses, with children, with parents, with co-workers. Uh... It, 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 at times it's really excruciating to hold the fort and it takes a lot of support to not give up and not abandon things so that you can actually have the holy relationship. It is so worth staying the course for, but most people, as Jesus tells us, cannot do it. They don't have the mental emotional fortitude on their own to do it. And they don't partner up, so they they go to, they try to do it alone and they can't. And so, um, the function of the miracle worker is to see that, oh, this transformation of ego based relationship to spirit based relationship, is going to heal my heart, heal my mind, and improve every area of my life. This will truly help me feel better about myself. This will truly help me heal so many aspects of my life if I can just stay the course. So, going back to this section 5 in chapter 2 where Jesus says that where we have this belief that to release our attachment to the free will experience to the world that we have made rather than the incredible beautiful aspects of the script that our higher self has installed in our script for us rather than allow ourselves to experience the highest and best we hold on to the the pain and suffering and managing and coping with the ego-based choices of what we think should be and shouldn't be. So he says this misperception uh, about what release brings, release of trying to control everything, this misperception, he says, arises in turn from the belief that harm can be limited to the body. So we have this belief that harm can be limited to the body. And he says, that is because of the underlying fear that the mind can hurt itself. So we have an underlying fear that the mind can hurt itself. And haven't we all tortured ourselves mentally? Yes, we have. But can we hurt ourselves mentally? Hmm. None of these errors is meaningful, he says, because the miscreations of the mind do not really exist. So the insanity, the worry, the fear, the doubt, the patterns in the mind of not enough, bad, wrong, dysfunctional, Um, decrepit, evil, all of these beliefs that we can have about ourselves and the patterns in the mind that keep them repeating, making them seem so, 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 so real, they do not exist. Not really. So he says this recognition that they do not exist is a far better protective device than any form Of level confusion because it introduces correction at the level of the error. So the levels are physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, etheric. And so sometimes we get confused and we work at the level of form, right? We're trying to change our life at the level of form. I call it working in density, Instead of working in the invisible, when we work in the invisible, which is at the level of the mind, we can heal things at the etheric level, which is the, where the root causes are, where the beliefs are, and we can have extraordinary and very rapid quantum leap type healing. When we're willing to work at the level of the mind. So that's what my work is completely dedicated to. Fast tracking our healing. So we don't have to work in this carving it out, chiseling it away. We can actually go to the quantum level and have rapid, powerful, graceful, easeful healing. You see, when the ego is in charge of the healing, that's when it feels torturous, right? So before I was talking about the special relationship and the holy relationship and how Jesus tells us in the section, the healed relationship in chapter 17, he tells us most people will abandon the hope of this holy relationship. And go off and just start another special relationship. Start all over again. Imagine it's like this. You're building a house, right? And you've got everything built except you just need to decorate the house. And you start feeling frustrated that you can't get the furniture and things to fit in the house the way you want. So you just abandon the house. Rather than to say to the Holy Spirit, help me find the perfect furniture for this house and decorate it in the most perfect way so that it feels like a san- sanctuary, that it feels like every bit of this house, every stick of wood, every a bit of glass, every part and particle of this house, every molecule supports my spiritual growth and existence, and this house is like a big hug from God." Instead of saying to the Holy Spirit, make my house feel that way, please, we say, I can't do this, I have to go. And we start again building another house from scratch, looking for a plot of land, clearing the trees and the rocks, digging the basement. That's effectively what he's saying when we abandon the holy relationship en route, in progress for the special relationship and start all over again. So same thing here is that when we're healing things at the root cause level, at the etheric level, we it, it it's confrontive. It's confrontive. It doesn't have to be really painful. But if we, as Jesus tells us in the development of trust, if if we think of it in terms of having to give up things that we need and things that we want, then we're going to see our spiritual awakening as being something undesirable. But if the Holy Spirit can show us that the things that we think we need and the things we think we want... Are actually hurting us that they are actually they're actually causing us to feel distress in the illusion that we're now trying to medicate and alleviate the distress by things in the world, oh, if I have a nicer house, oh, if I have a better husband. Oh, if I have a nicer yard, oh, if I can live closer to my grandchildren, oh, we're trying to change things in the world, but the problem is not in the world because the world is generated by our stinking thinking. The world is generated by our projections and our perceptions. So instead of trying to change the world, seek not to change the world, but to change our mind about the world, is the fundamental uh, lesson of the Course. So here again, he's telling us to begin at the level of the mind. He says, so we have an underlying fear that the mind can hurt itself. And then he says, none of these errors is meaningful because the miscreation of the mind, miscreations of the mind do not really exist. This recognition is a far better protective device than any form of level confusion because it introduces correction at the level of the error, which is at the mind. It is essential to remember that only the mind can create. And that correction belongs at the thought level. To amplify an earlier statement, spirit is already perfect and therefore does not require correction. Hello. So what are we? We are spirit. We are spirit. So we're already perfect. All we need to do is correct at the level of the mind the belief that we are not perfect. And I know it sounds so simple, but it is very simple. It may not feel easy, but when it doesn't feel easy, it's because who did we put in charge? Not spirit. Not spirit. We're looking to something, someone outside of ourselves or ourselves, but we have not put spirit in charge. So he says... The body does not exist except as a learning device for the mind. The body does not exist except as a learning device for the mind. Most people have issues with their body. What is the purpose of that? It's a learning device for the mind. That's it. That's the whole kit and caboodle regarding the body. It's a learning device for the mind. So let us treat it that way. Holy Spirit, help me to transform and renew my mind back to the default settings of absolute perfection and holiness in my awareness, thinking only the thoughts I think with God. That's one of my affirmations that was a classic when I was working on this minute by minute, second by second, I only think the thoughts I think with God. I only am interested in the thoughts I think with God. I think only the thoughts I think with God. I'm only interested in the thoughts I think with God. I would say that to myself over and over and over again as a way of distancing myself from the needing, wanting, grasping, craving, and despising, hating, can't stand, taking offense to thoughts, right? Trying to control everything with my mind. I only think the thoughts I think with God. That was my antidote a lot of the time. So he says here, This learning device is not subject to errors of its own because it cannot create. The body cannot create. Cannot do it. Only the mind can do it. He says, It is obvious then that inducing the mind to give up its miscreations is the only application of creative ability that is truly meaningful. So let us put our full focus and attention on inducing the mind to give up its miscreations. So releasing the attachments. And that's the development of trust. That's what that whole section is about. He says here, magic is the mindless or the miscreative use of the mind. So magic is when we're trying to heal something in the mind with something in the world or we're trying to heal something in the body with something in the world that's magic. And he says physical medications are forms of spells. But if you and he spells is in quotes here. But if you're because spells don't really exist, right? Except in the illusion. But if you're afraid to use the mind to heal, you should not attempt to do so. Whew. Because I would say the majority of people, when we begin this work, we are afraid to use the mind to heal. Why would we be afraid to use the mind to heal? Because then we would quickly realize, oh, let me give up all my attachments. Just boom. Give them all up. Now that's what I did. I don't recommend it. Because I really went through several years of tremendous difficulty giving up all attachments. And it really felt very, very uncomfortable. And I spent years in that discomfort. And everything in my life went haywire. But I, it was like riding a bucking bronco, and it was all at the level of the mind, but I was seeing it in my experiences because I decided to give up all my attachments all at once and forgive everything, R- rip the Band-Aid off. That's me. So I, I just wanted to get it done very quickly. Those of you who are familiar with Regina Don Acres. She more or less did the same thing. We've talked about that. And um, and it was really, really difficult. But we got through it uh, in just a few years. So that's why now my masterful living program you can we have year 1 year 2 year 3 year 4 and people can stay in so they can be held and supported and nurtured and be with people that they now have prayer partnerships with and and spiritual relationships with from all over the world so there's all this nurturing and support that's available 24/7 So no matter where you are in the world, there is support 24-7. And that's so important because we all have meltdowns. We all have freakouts. And those actually can be intensely healing if we have resources and we don't feel like we're on our own. So here he's saying uh, that... Physical medications are forms of spells, but if you're afraid to use the mind to heal, you should not attempt to do so. So that's why Mass for Living, we take one thing at a time, we're working it from different sides, but we're not really ripping the band-aid off Um, because most people just aren't up for that and for me I had limited amounts of support so it was really challenging for me, it was exhausting so I don't recommend it just like he's saying here he does not recommend that we try to heal at the level of the mind Uh, and if, if we have become dependent upon medications and things like that to not criticize ourselves, not judge ourselves for it just notice it, pay attention to it pay attention to our thoughts, pay attention to our feelings. And then to, as he says here, the very fact that you are afraid makes your mind vulnerable to miscreation. We don't want to miscreate. He says you are therefore likely to misunderstand any healing that might occur and because egocentricity and fear usually occur together, you may be unable to accept the real source of healing. And I have seen that with people. I really have. They are not willing to accept the answered prayer. They are not willing to accept the healing that they so deeply desire because they don't trust it. So that's perhaps a a subject for another time. He says here, Under the... These conditions, it is safer for you to rely temporarily on physical healing devices because you cannot misperceive them as your own creations. They're outside of you. You didn't create them. As long as your sense of vulnerability persists, you should not attempt to perform miracles. I have already said that miracles are expressions of miracle-mindedness, and miracle-mindedness means right-mindedness. The right-minded neither exalt nor depreciate the mind of the miracle worker or the miracle receiver. However, as a correction, the miracle need not await the right-mindedness of the receiver. So we can have miracles even if our mind is not right-minded. And that that's a fact. I see that happen all the time with folks of masterful living that they have true miraculous healing, even though they're not right-minded 100% yet at all, and who of us is, but even if they seem to have a long way to go, they can still experience miraculous healing because they're actively choosing the miracle. They're allowing the miracle into their awareness. So this is our journey and its I, I think it's so valuable to really understand about this preparation for us to fulfill our function as a miracle worker. Because as miracle workers, we transform the world. By changing our mind, all minds are changed. All boats rise on this tide of love, as I like to say. And speaking of a tide of love, I'd like to thank everyone who participates in our Sundays with Spirit, everyone who is uh, a tither and a donator to this ministry. If you would like to donate, one of the easiest ways to do it is to sign up for the text messages. You can go to jenniferhadley.com, dot acimtexts.com, any of those. And you can set up a recurring donation. When you sign up for the text messages, you can make a one-time donation of as little as $1 or any other donation that suits you. And then you can also get those text messages if you like them. I, I love getting them myself. We take a breath of gratitude, so grateful to partner up with that Holy Spirit and live a life of love, sharing the benefits with everyone. We let it be, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. I love you.